Hey everybody, welcome to Exo Squad Goals, the Exo Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. And I'm Chris Ferentino. And there's no Ryan this week, so that's awkward. <laughs> a very special episode this week without Ryan Irony. We miss you, Ryan. Yeah. And Ryan will be back next week. Yeah, we hope. Anyway, so this episode was written by Mark Edens and Brooks Wachtel, uh, who is still working to this day. Some people say that if you scream Wachtel into the wind, you'll hear about shows such as Dogfights, Robocop the Cartoon, and Prince Valiant. Uh, so, you know, he's worked on Exo Squad before. And uh, yeah, anyway, let's get into this one because this is a fun one. Uh, basically, it's Venus Rising. It's the battle for Venus. It is the battle uh, for Venus. This is a big deal. Like yeah. coming off the heels of last week's episode, where yeah, it's like we had all that set up, and now we're actually getting into the like the meat of the fight. Um, and it like no, interestingly, no, 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 no. we start off with. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and to just go nom 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 nom. <laughs> it's that tasty, tasty fight meat. <laughs> that just sounds bad. It's so tenderized. Um, it's been pounded Ooh. again, getting worse. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so we start with Able Squads fucking up a column of Neo Sapien tanks. They let the guys go, but they blow up all the equipment. Uh, we're getting into like an actual battlefield to this thing because like Winfield then orbitally bombards Fort Elizabeth, which is like kind of fucked up and amazing. Um, it's. I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, go uh, into is it. This the, is this the only time we've seen that so far? The the only thing we've gotten close to it is with the uh, the giant Nerf gun on the asteroid. <laughs> yes. But because um, with the similar fireballs, but this was, yeah, the only time I think we've seen them actually, well, except for the pirate base. But yes. even then it was like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a whole fleet, really. It was like, you know, come, some rocket ships and stuff like that. But As someone once said to me, orbital bombardment, that shit is lo-fi. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's really terrifying and there's no defense for it. And but it seems to do like a, a really marginal amount of damage, so it's really not that bad. Yeah, no, it, it it seems like it should like leave a giant. It's like in Star Wars, they always make it like orbital bombardment will destroy an entire city, and here it's like, yeah, you know, they blew a door off a building, and you know, Draconis still escaped from uh, Fort Elizabeth, but. but but very you know analogous to the you know the um, you know aircraft not aircraft carriers the battleships bombarding if it was Iwo Jima or you know whatever you know you'd hear about it they we shelled it for two weeks and then you know killed eight guys and then actually had to send troops in so yeah, exactly <laughs> everyone just hit underground go figure you know who knew so it yeah. does have some have some uh you know relevance yeah exactly and we get a shot of uh while they're doing that the jump troops also start sending mortars over there and uh yeah, it, it does have a great part of it, though, when Draconis, like, turns to his, like, lackey and it's like, You must hold out as long as you can. I go to strike the heart of Exofleet. Peace. And he, like, flies away right before the bombardment starts. D Draconis is super selfish. He's, like, the most... He's, like, if Typhonis is a moron and Shiva is, like, a rage monster, Draconis is just the most selfish dude in the universe, right? He is out for himself. <laughs> like, over and over. And he's, like, takes such glee in it, too um yeah he so he like appoints so like thrax to go uh be like a kid what is i forget what the job is but he's gonna fly an e-frame and well yeah he's gonna be the garrison commander because he's he's getting he's uh setting up vesta to be like the last stand and it's all like mechanics so he's like hey you take over and he's like okay i guess 
But like, so like, if the if the city's lost, he's asked to like, you know, put this huge key into this <laughs> hydrogen bomb that's like still left over from more primitive times. They just used that for like mining too. It was like, oh yeah, we used to eat mine with hydrogen bar- bombs. That's totally normal. But that was like that. There was a real discussion at one point in the like the fifties and sixties about like blowing up mountains with nuclear bombs. Oh yeah, no, it, which never like, came, which never came of it. But that's a it's sort of, so it's sort of based on. Th- but there's but it's still like still there, you know. Like <laughs> like do they build the city around it? We're like we don't know what this does. Yeah, it's a nice little stand he has for it too. Like, um, but that's cool, and that's sort of reminiscent of like you know Nazis blowing up Notre Dame or whatever, you know, as they were as the Allies were invading France. But then but then his whole thing is like it's supposed to be at a timer delay. But it's not. He lied to Thrax. Yeah. And he's like, peace. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? He'll be surprised when he vaporizes himself <laughs> an entire city. Drag out. Draconis out. <laughs> yeah, Draconis does not care about anybody. Yeah. Creon's the only guy he seems to vaguely care for. And it's just like, I think he's the only guy whose name he remembered. Like, probably because he sounds like Algernon. Um, yeah. But, so yeah, so it turns out while they're doing all that, that you know, Nara's trying to call James Anaconda by saying Anaconda to Rising Star, star like a million fucking times. Oh, million Anaconda times. to Rising Star, please respond. Anaconda, Anaconda to, to Rising Star, star. Over and over. And then uh, Marsala's like, hey, uh, you know, he probably doesn't want to be found because it turns out he's attacking Vesta. And, you know, they're like fighting the garrison over there. And, you know, he's apparently that's like against fleet orders because when they say that, it's like, you know, JT kind of gets pissed off, but, you know, he turns to Marsala for the flimsiest excuse to go back him up. So there's that. What do you think, Marsala? I think personal concerns cannot be allowed to influence military decisions. I feel it is our duty to go to Vesta for reconnaissance. Good point, Marsala. Let's frame up. <laughs> Good leadership, JT. But it turns out to be the right order. But I feel like there's this like trope in these things which is like the character who's been waiting so long to get revenge that they like charge in a little bit too quick when when they really don't have to (laughs) yeah no he could like literally do almost anything and he'd be like guaranteed like an easy victory james against draconis who killed as as he says you know this is this is from uh and pop and then uh (laughs) and then he yells uh, for vesta and for venus Ah! Uh, oh the act break yeah yeah it's so fucking terrifying (laughs) like it's not a good battle cry it's just like like did he just hurt himself like is he okay um so yeah like they james james has like a very slapstick sequence there where he's like chasing down neo sapiens then he gets blown through a wall where there's like the escape shuttle, the Neo Sapiens shoot him in the back, so he gets blown out of that oh, yeah. he area. Gets, he gets ping ponged. Yeah, then like missiles hit by him, and his frame goes flying, and he goes to kill uh, Draconis, but he blows up like the frame next to him, and then right as Draconis is about to kill him, Abel Squad shows up. The Exo Fleet may liberate Venus, but you won't live to see it. What? And they save uh, James. Freaking, uh, I mean, he's super fucked up though, because. Later on, he's, like, dragging himself around with, like, one arm. Yep, the one guy who's wounded in the entire show. <laughs> yeah, you think at this point, like, Simbaka would be, like, you know, half a stump. 
at this point. Because, <laughs> like, Simbaka should just have a concrete pole in his shoulder <laughs> at all times. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I couldn't get it out. I tried, but yeah. now I'm part of the base. Um, Sleeping is tough, but uh, you know, Ambien. <laughs> Simbaka, what are you doing in my chambers? Where am I? Yeah. Simbaka, it looks like you've been putting on weight. Yeah! <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, you know, basically, uh, Draconis runs away. He tells Thrax to go blow up the thing, reveals that there's no timer on the bomb. So, he's like, Thrax is going to kill like hundreds of thousands of people. But Thrax gets chased by Takagi. Uh, Takagi lands behind him. Thrax doesn't blow up everyone because he's he's like I joined this war for justice for the Neo Sapiens. I will not destroy justice for the sake of destruction. Yeah, he, he wanted justice for the Neo Sapiens, not to kill innocent people. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't do it. Takagi pulls a gun on him, and uh, he realizes that this is the dude that fucking you know spared him during that fight with Seth Rogen and all that stuff. Oh yeah, he says it's. It's not true that we all look alike. I know you. It's not true, then, that we all look alike to Terrans. Yeah, which is which is great. Like, it's really like Thrax is so fucking badass that he can make a, a dig like that. Like, when a guy's holding a gun to him. He just says whatever he wants. I, I, he's a great character. I'm glad that, like, the whole thing paid off, but him being sent to Venus and the Stakagi interaction... You know, and I think this is like one of the best shots of the series where like, I don't know, I forget what the dialogue is exactly, but he says like, Halt! Don't make me fire! No one makes you fire. It's a decision you make for yourself and you have to live with it. And then he like turns his back on him and there's this like amazing rack focus, which anytime I see it in animation, I'm usually impressed by it because it just, it's not something you see in animation a lot. But then, like, Thrax, like, his head isn't even in the top of the frame. Like, it's, like, you don't see his eyes. You just see, like, his nose down. Yeah. Takagi's out of focus. It's a really, you know, kind of a beautiful, interesting shot. And it's, I think it's sort of very unique to this series and animation in general. No, for real. And, like, yeah, that line, that line of uh, no one makes you fire. It's a decision you have to make for yourself, and you have to live with it, is, I think, one of the best lines, like in the whole show like yeah so fucking good and that like you said that the usage of that shot you know to because you know it's like this this episode and we didn't get too into it because it's like such a frenetic like bang 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 explosion this run go there you know that when you get down to the brass tacks not a ton happens even though they're liberating venus but this moment they slow everything down and it's just the two of them and it's dead quiet you know and like and it's like the usage of that shot really conveys the importance of that moment. Like, you know, this is it in a nutshell, you know, and Thrax is making his choice. Takagi's making his choice and they both have to live with it, you know? So I love that. No, it's, it's, I think like what's when these shows, I think become profound is it's not just to showcase like the battle, which this episode does really well. It's like a fun, really cool battle. It's when it sort of stops for a second and then sort of brings up a greater point, which is like, why is there even a battle? You know, like, why are we fighting? What's, do we have to do this? Is this the only way to solve this problem? Um, And then how do you live with the consequences of your actions? Yeah. And there's a lot of moments in this episode where 
there, you know, there are times where they're fleeing Neo Sapiens and like Takagi just shoots them. He doesn't think twice until he sees Thrax again. And, you know, JT and a lot of the older guys are very much like, you know, they're beat, blow up the throw, blow up the gear, let him go. Um, and there's a great scene where uh, Maggie is fighting like the Neo Sapien equivalent of her. Even. Uh, yeah. And like the guy starts drilling through her. Uh, <laughs> her E-frame. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he freaking. Uh, and she's like with her like pincer thing, like goes gently, like removes his canopy, picks him up and then like drops him. But she says, and, but before that, she says, I get the point when he's yeah. like drilling into her windshield yeah she's like stone cold in this it's so good uh and there's like a great actually the uh the shitty de leon kruger remember him kruger he, <laughs> yeah the, the like super racist guy he's gonna like there's like a bunch of surrendered neo sapiens because these guys are like all techs and he goes and he's like you know i don't take no prisoners and wait was that was that a um <laughs> hold on was that a reference to uh God, that Matt Damon movie? Elysium? Elysium, yes. yes. Sorry, I couldn't think of yeah, the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> you activate Kruger. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, that's like, I was, I was like, it's not Chappie, it's the, other, it's the other one. Yeah, I do love Chappie as an amazingly awful movie, but... I think, a, I think Chappie's underrated as being a fun, silly, yeah. dumb movie. Like, like it's, a, no. it's, it's a really expensive B movie. Yeah, well, that... Okay, as a side note, um, well, let me just say... Torres grabs that dude's arms and like breaks his arms and it's just like, uh, uh-uh, you work with us, you live by our rules. Oh yeah, and it's so good. Um, but yeah, as a side note, yeah, the guy who makes I forget his name. Um, Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I know, he, I know uh, the director's name. I just can't think of the name of his, his movies. Yeah, yeah, he uh, District Nine, Elysium, which is the mm-hmm. Matt Damon one with Kruger and uh, Chappie. Like I've always maintained that he makes. The best he's like a uh, like a John Carpenter now, you know, like he's making these really cool, fun, weird movies, but they're not really like triple A, like, you know, amazing story movies in a lot of ways. They're like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, he blows up this guy with like a laser gun and runs away. Yeah, no, his, his thing is like is like blending kind of photorealistic special effects into action sequences. That's like his. Yeah, his what he's good at. Yeah, exactly. And I, I but I do love Chappie just for the D'Antwoord, the uh the South African rappers teaching Chappie how to be like a gangster and like rob people and carjack people. I'm oh like, yeah, no, it's a completely silly movie, but I think it somehow got presented as being like a very serious movie. Yeah, no, it, it's and plus uh, that you can tell uh Hugh Jackman's just having a whole lot of fun in, in that role, which is just great. Um but let's so let let's knock this guy off. Um after all that, Thrax rendezvous with the uh, Neo Sapien fleet, and they find they find James, and he's all hurt, and Nera's all upset. Um, Thra- Thrax meets up with the Neo Sapien fleet, and uh, Draconis says the sassiest line of the whole show, where he's just like, "There was no explosion, Thrax. Vesta has not been destroyed." And it's like, <laughs> and like he knows Thrax is lying about bombing being defused, but then Phaeton shows up looking pristine, not all gooey at all. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I've I brought a ship to help. And they're like, what help can a ship be? And he's like, it depends on the ship. And then it's like, it turns out to be the biggest ship that's ever been bigged. So, yeah, I like that that's the answer. It's like, just a bigger ship. Yeah. It's, a it's giant not, ship. 
<laughs> it's, it's not using all that to build like thousands of ships. It's just one big ship. And again, it's like the uh, was it the Yamato, the Japanese battleship. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they're like, we'll build the biggest battleship ever. And then it got sunk in like a day. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like the spruce, the spruce goose. Yeah, yeah. Can I just say the Battleship Yamato, the main reason I know that is because there was an episode of the Rambo cartoon when I was growing up where the bad guys raise it and try to like use it as like a weapon. Oh, man. I think it was Rambo. It was like the uh, Chuck Norris like action commandos show. One of those. Was it, um, it wasn't James Bond Jr., just to be sure. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> um, and definitely not your, your Indiana Jones of younger and... Uh, yeah, none of those. Fun I really, I really want to go watch like the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but the ones when he's like eight. <laughs> you know, they're like they're like four hours long, and like he never leaves the library. Oh yeah, God! There used to be a whole bunch of like shows like that on like A and E and stuff like that, where it'd be uh, like there was a Horatio Hornblower series too. That was like, oh yeah, those were actually really good. With Ian Gronfeld. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I watched a couple of them. They, no, they were really good. That and then then Master and Commander came out and was like, I don't know, over, blew it over. Um, yeah, capsized that ship. No, Master and Commander was there, but there are like a ton of young Indiana Jones. Yeah, no, there's things. There's not just the Robert Sean Leonard one, or not, or the Rob, Sean Patrick Flannery ones. Yeah, yeah, no, there's like there's a surprising amount of those things that were made. Like they're actually kind of prolific with how many of those things they put out, and like you said, for they wouldn't be like a half hour thing. They'd be like four hours long, you know? No, they're long. And I think they're like really slow. Like there's not a ton of action in them. No, I remember being a kid and like being like, oh, young Indiana Jones. I'm young and I love Indiana Jones. And then it's like, you know, Indy, are you reading books again? And it's like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to read books either. Um, um, can I just mention a few last little tidbits about this episode? Yeah, totally. Get into it. Um, one, Draconis's frame is so sweet. Yes, it's fucking like... it's red and it's got like missiles on missiles it's got like a split canopy too which is pretty sick yeah it's a baller frame yeah. um two there's this part where like bronski and i forget who are joking about how like, oh takagi i takagi about how he would have taken down a friendly ship but he missed and therefore it's hilarious that was great bronski you had that gunship right in your sights too bad it was ours Hey, I knew it was a friendly. Why do you think I missed? He was drunk and almost killed their own guys, like a gunship, which is like probably 50 people in that. Speaking of him being drunk, there's this part where he's tracing Thrax. Thrax flies down <laughs> through an, an airplane hangar. Like the, the, the doors are open, a cra- like like a big enough for an E-frame to go through. They're not closing. This isn't like, yeah, you know, static. one of those just sitting there. <laughs> Thrax just goes through and Bronski's like, I gotcha. And then just like tumbles through the side of the door and crashes out and breaks his frame. Like yeah, couldn't just go straight through the door. Yeah. Or, or, you know, worse comes to worse, stop and walk with your frame. Um, he also then decides to open the best course of action is to open up his E-frames canopy in the middle of a war zone, which, you know, I have a theory that Bronski can't be killed because he's always getting injured right before the battle starts. Yeah. Oh, I'll pull my hamstring. Oh, sorry, guys. Good luck. Yeah, he's that guy. He'd be like shooting himself in the foot in like the trenches being like, oops, sorry, too drunk to feel it. <laughs> but yeah, no, they're not, this this episode has like it's definitely worth, you know, you want to get into like the final sort of judgment of it. Sure. Like 
this is definitely an episode to watch. I mean, we kind of went through it pretty quick, but there's a lot of really fun uh, action in this one and a lot of like little moments like that where, you know, characters are sort of expressing who they are and how they're interacting with the war. And it feels like an actual war zone where they're like, you know, calling in fire support and they're directing fire and it's 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 a very cool episode. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I know. I liked it a lot. It was really entertaining. Like it seemed very, you know, we, like we talked about last week, like moving the plot forward a little bit, you know, not not a ton, but like I think the right amount, um, yeah. you know, and it'd be interesting to see where it goes next week. I, I liked it. I thought it was well done. Um, you know, one, yeah. one thing with this episode, like we was it last week's episode where they were like we saw like the swarm of E-frames. Yeah, yeah, everything was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, I like that sense of scale, and I think you get a little bit here. Um, it's still very focused on our characters, but, like, you know, this is an interplanetary... You know, we're not just taking back a country, we're taking back a planet, so... Um, yeah. You know, the scale's interesting. Yeah, when, when it starts off, you have a big sense of the scale, because there's, like, all the Neo-Sapien tanks. It's, like, so, you know, so many, and then it scales down to the squad level and, you know, their sort of commando action. Um but I also I also like this is this is one that you know yeah the episode that ended with Draconis being like we will fight on Vesta and then this one is like that fight on Vesta and the next one is the reinforcements to that fight you know so we're actually like you said we we're kind of like pushing forward and getting into that sort of the larger structure is like creaking forward out of the pirate stuff and we're getting into the actual like big movements you know you know, I like big movements. Um, <laughs> but one, one last thought, two last thoughts. One, why is Colleen O'Reilly in the opening credits? Uh, I don't know. Not seeing much of her. Pellegrino should be, right? Yeah, well, some, I don't know. Like, I, either she's due for a big second half of the season, or <laughs> or I don't know. She was quite, kind of quiet in the first half, looking for a big rebound performance from Colleen O'Reilly. <laughs> and then, um, why is Vesta just a bunch of large glass domes when they can breathe the air. Right? <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't understand. Like, I get, I get if you can't breathe the air. This makes sense. But so, just a few yeah. observations, but um, also, Marsh totally kicked a dude in the head. Yeah, he did. It will be, well, and first he's like, you know, it's your lucky day, kid, and he like kicks the fucking dude in the head, and it's like, I don't know if it's his lucky day. He's probably like permanently disabled now. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's probably he's pr- paralyzed right now, thanks to you. He'll live. He's probably going to turn into a puddle of goo thanks to the trauma. So, thanks a lot, JT. You said um, no killing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my quality of life is ruined. I'll never walk again. He'll live. MVPs, man, I gotta, I'm gonna, I think, you know, morally, I think Thrax is probably the MVP of this episode, but it's hard to ignore Draconis's just pure selfishness. <laughs> yeah, man, fucking, uh, so who are you saying, who are you saying, because I know mine. Um, you know what, I'm, I'll, I'll, I think I know what you're gonna say, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Thrax for his moral compunction. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I was, were you gonna I say Drax? Oh. I was gonna say Draconis. Yeah, I was no, that's say, what I thought. Because he's the most selfish dude yeah. in the world, and he's like wringing oh. his like hands together at every dickish thing he does. Um, and they even blow up his like 
his shuttle. So he's, he has even more cause to be like, well, let's blow this fucking t- city up. Like, um, yeah, Draconis is my man. Oh, show. Uh, it's just, you know, a lot of the generals are kind of forgettable, not forgettable, but, you know, they're like Shiva's dumb. Typhonus is a moron. And, and Draconis is just such an asshole. It's, it's been, so good. But I think that it's really been fun to watch the different generals and how they have different characters and personalities. Yeah. That's really well done, I think. Well, and it's not done in like in like a He-Man way where it's like, you know, oh, Beast, Beast, Beast Man. Was that one of them? <laughs> sure. Beast Man, you know, you're dumb. And it's like, no, Beast Man hates uh, Blobbledob or whatever his name is. And like, <laughs> they're like butting heads. It's all very compartmentalized into like theaters, which I like. You know, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a nice touch. Did you have the Blobbledob action figure? I did, but hearing you say Blobbledob <laughs> is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Do you like that? That was the first thing I thought of. I was like, I'm sure if I thought for half a second, I could think of someone real. Nope, Blobbledob. <laughs> Blobbledob Milosevic, the war criminal from, uh, I don't know, Bosnia. Slobodan Milosevic, you mean? <laughs> yes, that's it. Um, Sweet Slobodan Milosevic callback. <laughs> Okay, um, we had a couple of questions online. I'm just going to run through them rapid fire. Uh, they're all from Monk of War, who gave us like four really good questions, because I threw this up like two seconds ago. Um, did you dig the fist fight between uh, Maggie Z Frame and the Neo counterpart? Yes. I did. I also want to mention, I think it's time we start shipping Weston and Torres. Got a present for us. I scrounged him up from a grab armor platoon. Can you make him work on my launcher? <sighs> I can try, Torres. I guarantee it'll blow something up. Just so long as it isn't me. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. The way she was working on her missiles, yes. Yeah, there's now been two sexy uh, repair scenes in two episodes. So. Yeah, there were there were literal sparks flying an episode or two ago. So let's see how Deleon fits into that. Any plus any any fight with it, with puns, I think is you know yeah. quality in my book. And Maggie's been getting some fucking quality action lately. I gotta say, not just from Torres, but with like you know. In the Neo Mega episode, she keeps getting almost sucked into space. Um, <laughs> it's like her thing, like yeah, Weston. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I hit the button again. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that she's getting more stuff to go on, and I actually can't wait till we get out of Venus because so Nara can like not obsess about James every four seconds. You know? Yeah, no, it's nice. Maggie's sort of carrying the uh, the weight of like the you know, strong female character. I think, you know, Nera is justifiably, you're like, you were saying, she's justifiably worried about her brother. Yep. So it's nice to see just sort of like the daily, you know, like a badass lady. Can I just say really quick, there's a part where Nera is like, but there's no one here I care about except for James. And Marsala's just looking at her like, yo, big blues right here. Like, I don't know why he puts up with her sometimes. I know, right? He, he could do better. I'm just going to say He's it. like, I'm the reason we're called Anaconda. <laughs> big blue baby if you know um, does Kruger fit the shitty Delion look <laughs> yes <laughs> yes he does um, since I just called him that um, will Thrax or James Burns be your MVP ooh <sighs> so he uh, he does say he loved uh, James's E-frame murder rampage which I did too until he turned into like a Mr. Bean routine with the explosions <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate Thrax's, you know, strong, strong moral center. And he's like, you know, finding decency in, in war. But, you know, Draconis' selfishness is just so, it's, so, it's, so complete. 
Yeah. And, and he's like, literally, he flies from one place to another just to be a dick. Like, I admire that commitment. Um, fourth question and final one. How do you like Draconis's bug face E-frame? The fucking best, right? I think it's cool. I mean, I think that it's nice to like... So many of the, like, the Able Squad's E-frames are just iconic. And then all the other ones, I think the Neo ones, are usually pretty run-of-the-mill. You know, they're just these purple skinny jeans <laughs> suits. <laughs> Little hipster E-frames. Yeah, they're pretty hipster. So it's nice to see like this iconic one come out. Uh, does the split canopy make sense? I don't know. <laughs> but but it's cool. Like if he's got a date, I don't know. But it's, you know, it's cool. It's got a ton of missiles. It's like it's like thoughtfully designed. So yeah, I like that. I dug it. Well, and the other thing too is like even the Phaeton E-frame you see everywhere now. So it's, it's nice to, like you say, see a unique E-frame you know yeah um and judging by draconis is like i mean r.i.p his shuttle that got blown up sadly by the resistance but, i liked um, his shuttle i was his you know what his shuttle made me think of was what was uh, the force awakens <laughs> and i was thinking you know like at the beginning when like uh <laughs> the guy from girls i know his i know his name um you know descends and like gets out of the ship and then um you know robot wilson is like looking on yeah yeah. (laughs) i know all their names bb8's looking at kylo ren coming off the thing and it's like it's super i think it's scarier if you don't cut into that scene if you just see it from a distance from his perspective yeah because i think like the whole like to see like dragonus's ship flying through the air and like knowing like oh that's you know, there's some there's something about that that i think is so interesting that's like oh that that's a scary guy but the, the less we know about him, the scarier it is. Well, exactly. And that that's definitely something that, like, you know, it, it's one of those, it's the, the choice between, like, sort of effective filmmaking and sort of, like, okay, you like, the notes being, like, who is this guy? Why do we care? You know, like, I'd be curious to see that scene if they just kept it super wide, and then the only time you meet him is when, uh, what's his face? Uh, the guy from Ex Machina, Poe Dameron, the actor. Oh, Oscar um, Isaac, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Poe Dameron. He, uh, <laughs> the uh, the actor, Poe Dameron. Um, if, 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 you know, when the first time you meet him is, you know, in that interaction. But, um, yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? There's something intimidating about, like, oh, that's, like, this thing you never get to meet the person. But you know, I, you know, from the iconography of the ship, how scary that they are. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so that those are our uh, questions. Any quick plugs? Uh, continue to buy things from Two Loopy Ladies on Etsy, etsy.com to slash Two Loopy Ladies, or search for it. Um, buy my book, Necropolis, on Amazon, uh, and 25films.com for all your wife filmmaking needs. Yep, and uh, if you like the podcast and you want to give us a little hand making it, go to patreon.com slash goals. We'll be coming out with a uh, themed episode pretty soon to give a taste of the off-topic stuff. And you can be a supporter for as little as $2 a month. So think about that. The next time you buy one of those fancy lattes, I get them too. Um, to, to quote the street magician I saw once, um, please pay us. This is all we have. I'll quickly recommend uh, if you want to see a dumb, dumb movie that's just so dumb but kind of fun go see nerve it's not good but it's just silly and fun it has a franco brother in it nerve and wow the, and the female lead is actually like pretty good i don't know what she's from but she was pretty good so 
Go see Nerve. All right, a Franco brother and a pretty good female lead. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, a guy who's dressed like he should be in Mad Max. (laughs) Um, I want to say I saw the movie War Machine, so you don't have to. (laughs) Oh, that was supposed to... Who who did that one? Uh, Brad Pitt is in it. I don't know. Oh, I know that. That's the one on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's the one Netflix made. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I saw it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Not, 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 a, not, a, not an incompetently made movie, just not a great, not a good movie. Yeah, it's, um, you remember Gary, who was it, Gary Sheffield? Sure. Ball player? He used to always go up to bat and he'd like, he had this crazy bat stance where he'd like, his hands be in like crazy motion the whole time and he's like going back and forth and you're like, oh yeah, fucking kill it. And then he hit it and be like a chopper. That would barely get to the pitcher's mound. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's War Machine because you're like, oh, Brad Pitt doing his own thing. What's going to happen? And it's just like a big wet fart. So, yeah, it's just you, you know everything there is to know within the first two minutes. It's not deep at all. It's just a surface exploration of something that that everybody already knows. If you're, rather, if you're interested in watching that movie, you already know what the conclusion of the movie is. Yeah, and the fact that they have to use like fake names and all that kind of neuters it right off the bat because, you know, the whole joy of watching a movie like that is being like, you know, oh, this is very, you know, this is this, this is this. And it's like, no, just, you know, I don't know. It, it just it, nothing clicked on that movie. It was, it was a total bummer. Um, shit, man. So watch this episode instead. Yeah, watch Exosquad. You want to see a good war machine? Draconis's E-Frame. Awesome war machine. Nailed it. Um, okay, well, on that case, in that case, I should say, I would like to thank Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. You can find the stuff on the internet, wide worldwide, at 331ERock. His stuff is really good. Listen to it. He does our music, by the way, like I said. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, at ExosquadGoals. Email us at ExosquadGoals at gmail.com. Uh, we come out with a new episode every Saturday-ish. The, uh, the next episode, which I totally looked up and literally wrote in my notes as next episode 16 so that's good the next episode is called miracle so it's not her brooks and the kids sticking on the ruskies at lake placid but hampton number 80 <laughs> yeah mike Ruzioni going in to uh drop a bomb in the takeout phaeton's flagship um no so that'll come out next saturday ish hopefully if we can find orion somewhere where are you ryan yeah, yeah. but yeah uh, please go rate and review our show on iTunes, ideally. That's the thing that seems to matter the most. Yeah, let's break into the top uh, 200. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, leave, leave us a review. And, you know, if there are things you don't like about the show, like, you know, like the lack of Ryan in this episode, let us know. I don't. I I miss Ryan. I wish he was here. Yeah, I, love, I just feel you, Ryan. I feel an emptiness. That cannot be fulfilled by anything except Orion. But that's, I don't know. That sounds weird. Anyway, but for Exo Squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. And I'm Chris Barantino. Are there any heroes in this company? Nope. No, sir. No. It's just not me. A, <laughs> not no. a, yeah, it's not, it's not as good when it's just one person. It's more of a small, awkward question. Nope, <laughs> uh, nope, no, no, no heroes here. Hold on, hold on, let me check. Let me check. Any arrows? Oh. Nope. No one. All right. None. 
Okay. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Anaconda to Rising Star, please respond. Anaconda to Rising Star, please respond. Anaconda to Rising Star. Anaconda to Rising Star. Anaconda to Rising Star. James, it's Nara. Answer me. Please answer me.